0: I'm your host, Alex Kessler, and the co-host, Ben Bateman. We're back together. The boys are back in town. The boys are back in town. Uh, and uh, we are—we uh, have very, very exciting news. So this is Tuesday morning, August second, uh, and we have a we have a, a Kickstarter that is launched. If you're somehow listening to this before that, there's a the link below will bring you to the Kickstarter to follow. Please hit that follow button so you get alerted when it launches. But most likely, you're listening to this the week of the first launch of the Kickstarter. We are doing a Kickstarter this time. It's not a game; it's cool dice. So you can see me holding them right now on screen. Uh, they are jumbo dot dot d twenties. For those who know, I have a toy company with making drop dot product, but I've loved making these drop dot balls. For a very long time, we're going to go over what that looks like, um, and there's a Kickstarter happening right now. There's a link below. We really, really appreciate if you check it out. There's, you know, for $35, you can get uh, a regular drop down, and, and then even less if you uh, sign up on day one, which is today, the day this episode is rolling. They are, they are big. They feel really great. They bounce. They're safe to play outdoors, uh, and you can use them for all of your... Dungeons and Dragons role playing and even life counting uh, needs. Um, also, so, uh, Alex
1: and I are like on the way right now as you're hearing this. We are on our way to Indianapolis to go to Gen Con. Uh, we're going to have, you know, Michael, you guys know from the show, he'll be with us. We'll have a booth. It's going to be really awesome. Um, we've gotten to go to Gen Con pretty much every year since Kess was in the beginnings of the games business. Um, this will, I think, be my fourth Gen Con. It's such a fun show. Um, we'll have yeah. these with us, obviously. We'll have a whole bunch of these. You can see them in person if you happen to be there and a bunch of other, other games and stuff as well. So uh,
0: it's, it's also a great and, and, event. And we'll be doing giveaways for anyone who shows up showing that they donated the Kickstarter booth number 1735. And we'll get into all that in a second. Uh, before we do, I just kind of preface. We're going to talk about the Kickstarter, what's going on there for a bit. Uh, then we are going to talk about... Um, all of the stuff that was previewed at Comic-Con over the weekend for uh, the unsets. There's also some leaks from an Amazon posting that we'll talk about. That'll be at the very end, uh, past like a big spoiler wall. When we talk about that there are spoilers for it, there are massive character spoilers. This is going to spoil things, and you should not listen to it if you don't want them. There are leaks in the sense that they were released on Amazon officially, but earlier than they were supposed to. Um, there are no cards that were leaked. It is all character stuff, but it's pretty big. Uh, so that's going to be happening at the very end of the episode. Uh, before that, we'll be talking about all the the announcements along Acorn cards, which me and Ben have lots of thoughts on. And before that, we're going to talk about the Kickstarter. Uh, and of course, thank you to all our sponsors, including Channel Fireball. Uh, if you use our affiliate code, the FN, the MM Cast, checking out Channel Fireball, uh, it benefits us, uh, and and they 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 shout us out and are very kind to us. Um, if you also want to check out Alter Sleeves on the Patreon. Other uh, will be a thing on on uh, for alter sleeves as well, and that mentions the Patreon, which does bring this episode to you. Uh, you get thirty minutes of bonus content uh, this week, which was an entire conversation about Thor: Love and Thunder and the problems with the MCU right now. Definitely make sure to check that out uh, if you get a chance. Um, they'll definitely do the Kickstarter first, uh, and uh, as well as. Um, Ultra Pro, thank you for sponsoring the show, Ultra Pro, and making this show happen. Um, And a big congratulations,
1: big shout out and congratulations to the partnership announced uh, in the last two weeks since last we did an episode between Channel Fireball and TCG Player, both of whom we've been proud to work with uh, in our careers as content creators. And best of luck with that partnership moving forward. We're excited to still be on board. Absolutely.
0: All right kickstarter so for those who don't know what is a kickstarter kickstarter is a website it's kind of like Patreon, which you've heard (laughs) us mention before on the podcast Uh, it's a website that lets creators or people with cool ideas to uh, work with the community to uh build up uh funding sometimes or just be able to pre-order pre-sell product in a hype way um that uh kind of lets really cool things happen the professor really just recently did a massive one for a deck box that he worked with a cool company to develop and build on that was extremely successful Brandon Sanderson broke, who's a magic player and uh, creator of Dabril Dabril Kane, uh, the magic creator, but also writer of a bunch of amazing books, did a Kickstarter that broke every Kickstarter record ever. Uh, he's a monster. He wrote five secret novels during the pandemic while writing the other books he was supposed to write. I don't know how that per- how he functions. Um, and we did a Kickstarter a few years ago in 2018. We did a Kickstarter for our game Battle Bosses. It was a a, a, a thing of love. Like, yes, we have a toy company that focuses on spring summer stuff. but When it comes to the gaming stuff, it definitely is a much more of an endeavor. We want to work with the community on, and so we did Battle Bosses through Kickstarter. Um, it was a massive learning lesson. We went through um. You know, three years of uh, development leading up to the Kickstarter. We then did the Kickstarter. We barely made it through funding. We got a little bit about $5,000 above or $9,000 above what we expected to make, which was really, really exciting. That allowed us to come up with two additional bosses from what we were originally planning. Um, but it was a it was a very complicated project. It took us years to kind of figure out. And then that ran into COVID, which ran into shipping delays, which ran into a factory shutting down mid-production. Um which then caused other issues. But eventually we came out with Battle Bosses. We finished delivering all of that to our international backers who, who very thankfully have stuck with us uh, in this last May. Uh, and and we are now kind of ramping up our next one. And we wanted to do something that we can turn around rapidly. <laughs> and then also, I think, I, think
1: on, I think adding to that as well, Alex, like, you know, Battle Bosses is a game that you and Michael spent a lot of hours working on tirelessly to develop and get ready. And the game is really fun to play. I've gotten to play it with actually a lot of listeners of podcast at various different shows over the years. Um, however, coming up with a, and designing an original strategy game, as probably some of you guys have tried, because I would, a lot of Magic players do, it's really hard. <laughs> it's very difficult to get people's interest, even when you have a great product, which I think we do. Whereas with the drop Dot
0: technology, Cast as a company. Well, has- and, so- and small last shout out on Battle Bosses, we, we will be, it'll be at Gen Con. We will have it available for people, and there's cool expansions for it, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but... Table Battle Bosses continue with the dice. <laughs> yeah, so
1: what i say is we, we as, as Kess, you know, I've been with you at this company now for five and a half years. We've had a lot of success with the drop-down technology. This was technology that, you know, you you basically patented uh, in certain ways on balls. We've had all different cool versions of balls and products that we've sold. And we put these on D20s as a, like, thing we thought would be cool to have around the office, right? We, when we did Magic at GP Vegas the year before COVID, We had like four of these with us that we were rolling off for categories, right? Like people wanted to buy them because they liked them so much. So this this is a pure brainchild of technology that we're completely familiar with and know exactly how to execute. And a D20, which every single listener of this podcast has used at least once in their life. So it's like sort of one of those matches made in heaven where if you're going to talk about a product that we would do a Kickstarter for, this is a slam dunk product. It's going to look great. We know exactly how to do it um it's very exciting it's a lot easier to execute from that point of view than i think a full-on
0: strategy game if we if we hit our main stretch goals we'll be able to turn around this kickstarter in less than a year right if we blow past it that does add time to it the the more the more people that donate the longer that that will stretch out but um our our main stretch goals after the 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 starting amount which is twenty thousand dollars which is significantly less than with battle bosses uh we we will be able to deliver upon it extremely quickly that's what we wanted to do we wanted to kind of an amuse boosh of a, of a kickstarter how long the development time of the last one was uh, we wanted to come up with something that we can turn around really quickly and it's it's really awesome right like the to, to ben's point we made the first ones off of our ball product uh, on these giant d20s um we made them for conventions we literally made them just as show pieces to put around the booth because we were selling small d6 versions and at gen con At Gamma, we just had consistently people asking, where can we get these? And every single time, we're like, well, it's just a show thing. And then we brought it to Magic Fest Vegas. And I'm going to actually find this person. Uh, We brought it to Magic Fest Vegas to do the trivia game where each of the contestants would roll off these to pick which category they would answer questions for. And people loved them so much that uh matt taback and tappy Toglas, <laughs> uh not realizing that they were the only three in existence this is the fourth one this is the third one um chucked them into the crowd <laughs> uh, and i posted a tiktok talking about that we're doing this tiktok and actually one of the people one of the two people that caught them during that uh right, let's talk about the event uh that was me talking on the tiktok uh commented <laughs> they found my tiktok so uh thank you grandmaster son uh the he they have the one thrown into the audience from vegas so you have one of four of these that will ever exist uh, which are the clear uh drop dot versions but um and then you know we've developed a That we learned lessons like the clear you see the numbers on it but not great so we realized that you can kind of draw the numbers out we realized that if you add a second color to the corners it has this really cool look and um and so you get that play experience and and so there's going to be a few things and we can kind of walk through it first off it's launching with three colors um that'll be the three that you see me holding up here and we will provide marshall and rick with images of them that are better than me holding them uh that have uh cool names alongside of them uh and so starting with these three it's a black and red one a green and blue one and a uh blue and magenta one uh you know Letting the Rakdos and Simic uh, players jump to the forefront and then having a nice blue and uh, magenta one on top of that. Um, and then once those goals are hit, so once you get 20,000, you can pick one of these um, and there'll be multiple tiers. You can buy the, a single one um, for around 35, uh, a, a three-pack for the three-pack price and, and a, or, or a six-pack. Um, and then there's going to be add-ons and stuff like that we'll talk in a second. Then once we hit the next tier, so every five thousand dollars after that, there'll be another unlock. The first one's going to be a new color. It'll be blue white picture here. I don't have a physical one with me. Uh, for all of the Azorius players out there in the world, nice <laughs> uh, big chop, uh, Azorius a uh, so Just, just, just for the record, players. just
1: for the record, everybody, as, as Alex runs through the colors here, keep keep note that of the first four announced colors here, three of them have blue. Three of them have blue. Three. You better no right red.
0: This is this is black red black red araculous.
1: That's one. That's one, and then you got oh, the Simic, and then even sure. expanding to Azorius. I mean, come, it's it's almost like I mean, I'm involved with this somehow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, um, and then. The next thing is actually a spin down. So, so the next stretch goal after that uh, will allow you to add a spin down die on top of the whatever your order is. So obviously for magic players, that's a big deal. You can still use them as a life counter, but we're starting with the randomized d20 version and then a spin down will be an alternate option. Then, uh, then you unlock two new colors is the next tier and that'll be uh, green, black and blue, red, the best two color combos in magic. You heard it from me here first. Uh you have you have Is It and Golgari. Uh there's a reason that Magic or Modern has been either a blue-red deck or a green-black deck fighting each other since its in- inception, be it Birthing Pod or Jund, or Is It Phoenix or Splinter Twin. Uh and uh so those those will both be um kind of that, that tier. And then the tier after that is um is we have the ability to do these also and we only have 3d renders because we don't have the tooling done on it but our plan is to also do all all six shapes the main a d4 a d6 a d8 a d10 a d12 and then the d20 and at that t- all all jumbo size all all this kind of a eight inch size uh uh, uh kind of generally around eight inches size dimensions and you'll have the option if you buy the six pack to transfer your six pack into the um, into those sizes. So you can go from all six copies of the same D20 to six copies, one of each of the different sizes. And that's kind of the point. If you want to help get to that point, it really helps donating at that six piece level. So go doing the six pack and then as soon as it upgrades to the, the to the. Um, that final stretch goal you're able to upgrade to the to the special version there's also going to be uh a bunch of exclusive stuff so so day one there's a a discount a five dollar discount for anyone who donates on day one and we're also working and uh i don't have the confirmed answer to this right now so on day one keep it out because the plan is to try and have some type of exclusive um uh day one x amount of the first x people to donate get access to be able to do a glow in the dark drop dot d20 mm-hmm. um i don't know the exact number on that yet so make sure to check it out because it will say what that's going to be um but it gives you kind of a really cool thing to get if you're part of the day one and helps us get there to our goal or, or just donate to kind of all the different levels so we're, we're really excited just about what we're trying to accomplish here it's it's a really cool product it's something that we can turn around really well and it helps us kind of build that Kickstarter community as we develop other games in the future beyond that
1: yeah. And I think, uh, as I mentioned, you know, a minute ago, I think what's great about it is it's a product that we've had. We've had this product around the office in, in the prototype version for a few years. So we've played with it. We, we kind of always come back to it. We bounce it. It's, it's one of these things where it's like if we had gotten tired of it or, you know, just the, it, it was a, a novelty. I think we just probably wouldn't have moved forward, but it's been very popular. We enjoy them. People love them. Um, and they bounce they're, they're, they're They've got a foam. They've got a foam component inside. So they, they definitely have some uh, some lift to them. Yeah, I just
0: bounced them on my head a little bit while Ben was talking. Uh,
1: <laughs> we were we I were at a, uh, we were at Origins, me and Michael, and we had uh, you know because we did the D sixes originally. Some of you guys have seen that we've had the D six version of this available for the last few years. We have them usually at Gen Con and bins. We'll have them, in fact, if you're there, they're great, kind of more handheld. And uh, we we you know we sell them uh, as kind of a, a favor at the uh, like a, not a party favor, but you know it's a smaller item. So we had a whole bin of them at, <laughs> at Origins, and I was like Michael. We want to get some Kickstarter signups for this D20, right? And he was like, Yeah. I was like, all right, so we should do this thing where the next person that walks up, we're going to say, you know, if you uh, if you spin this D20 and you land on the 20, you get a free six sider. And he was like, I mean, sure. I don't know if it's going to have anybody sign up. I was like, just watch. And this guy walks up and I was like, spin this. You'll get a free D6 if it lands on 20. He's like, OK. And he spins it, hits a 20 immediately. He's like, great. Thank you doesn't sign up, walks away. <laughs> I was like, all right, we're never doing that again. <laughs>
0: well, so, so that's wrong. We're going to do stuff like that at the show. If, if, you, if you back the Kickstarter at Gen Con, uh, we'll let you roll a D20 and we're going to have a little chart of things you can win. Um, most of them are going to be like promos. We have we have special promos for Battle Bosses. We have like a Fae Empress uh, who is done in more of an anime style by one of the artists on House, Lauren Yu. Um, She's a really talented artist, and she kind of created this really cool um, version of the Empress, so that promo will exist and be being given out uh, for people that participate in stuff at the show. Um, But there'll be other giveaways, including D6s, uh, that we'll have for sale there, and you can buy them through the Kickstarter. So D6s, the the new version that'll be a special type of foam on the inside, will be on the Kickstarter as an add-on, as will color-matching... Drop dot dragons, so oh, nice. these were are limited edition things we did for battle bosses they're made out of a squishy foam and they have different color characters those will be also an add-on available um, on the kickstarter so there's a bunch of really cute stuff that kind of comes along it in that Drop dot world. Um, and plus you just help kind of grow grow create an item we, we've you know one of the things is that this is definitely much more of a like gaming community focused thing it's much more part of kind of the podcast and the magic world that we're a part of than like the hula hoop spring summer side, and so that's why we're bringing it to Kickstarter because it is more of a limited edition type of experience than than something that you would do um, at at a large retailer that that, that wouldn't want to pick up something like this. And so and it, also, it's pretty and I think, special. We're really excited. Yeah,
1: I think also Alex to add to that. I mean, like you know, you and I periodically will promote things we're working on, whether it's you know music, a podcast, a new YouTube channel, whatever, and. We always we only bring up things on the podcast to promote that are ours that we really believe in that are important to us. And if this was an item that we were creating and it just was part of the regular retail channel, like like the hula hoop business, um, it wouldn't be something we were talking about doing a Kickstarter for. This is a product that we really genuinely like and we care about, and it's a product that we want to be able to make work and exist. And we do need the support of the community that to make this work. That is something that we we genuinely do need so we're we're here talking to you guys about it because it's important to both of us that this uh, that this gets support and if you guys like magic and you support us it's it's definitely a cool thing to invest in i think you'll really enjoy it and uh, i definitely like the product a lot so just you know it it's it's personal to us
0: so yeah, and, and check it out. We really appreciate the support. It is a really cool item. It's fun to have. Um, and uh, we're, you're going to see a bunch of posts, hopefully from content creators throughout the week kind of talking about it. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. I'm, I'm, I'm available. And if you're at Gen Con, you want to actually go and feel and feel what it looks like and play with it um, or try out you know what I'm about to talk to you next. We'll, we'll have them physically there. The booth number is um, 1735. 1735. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll be there hanging out. Um, and then also demoing some of kind of the new games we're working on. So, we'll have, we have a partnership with the company that, uh, that we're working on a Mega Man, uh, and Contra game that we just are, are, are not doing through Kickstarter. Uh, we have the Battle Bosses game that you'll be able to buy bosses there. We're also doing a, um, the, the, the demo card. We'll have, uh, Captain Boat, uh, pins is a thing that we'll have. I don't know if Ben knows this. We'll have like actual, pin, like, uh, uh, metal pins of uh, like a cartoon character version of captain boat that you can you can buy uh and then we'll also have um a uh season two of the neutral camps so so uh for those who backed the arena tier mode um battle bosses the way that mode works is kind of a League of legends s game where you team up and there are neutral camps and the only way up to this point to get neutral camps was through buying that arena tier so uh, but if you have four bosses you can play so we're releasing a Basically, it's a pack of cards that are all hexagons that allow you to play arena mode, and this will be Season 2. So we've taken some of our favorite ones from the first one. We've got a new card type called Buildings. Uh, pets aren't included, so these are just things that you fight or buildings for benefit effects. And then we picked one specifically to make the game a little bit faster, because we found from a power level perspective, some of the stuff was slowing it down. And uh, it's really fun. It's like a great addition, and, and now it's available to buy. So we'll have that for the first time at Gen Con as well.
1: I hadn't gone I hadn't gone to a, um, a, a front facing, you know, uh, what's not not B2B, but where you get to, you know, meet people walking up to the booth uh, since the 2019 Gen Con, actually. So when I got to go to Origins with Michael, I got to demo Battle Bosses a lot and I got to pl- talk about all of the various different add ons and again, those tiles and everything. And it was so much fun to get to meet people and demo the game and play games of it. It's like really, you know, you talk about it, something you believe in that you like, but it's very different when it's a game. You get to actually play it with people and you play it all weekend like. I'm really looking forward to some of that at Gen Con. It's definitely
0: a very 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 fun part of it. Yeah, and if you if you're not going to Gen Con, all this stuff is for sale on our website. Uh, the some of the the promo stuff will um, be more for like live events we go to, but the the arena mode and this will be on after Gen Con and 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 so will. And then the decks will be on Kickstarter. And that's and that's like that's a big one. Please check it out. We're we're trying to raise, you know, uh, hit the goals and then and, and, and really the goal is to get to that second secondary tier. Uh, to try and do the full set of six different shapes, because if we can hit that, then we have something that's really special uh, and really cool that you can't really get. We can't get these anywhere else, but it's like something that's just like that a level and beyond. And if you guys and friends can help us get there, uh, that would just be really, really exciting uh, and, and amazing. Yeah, very much so. Any, any? I mean, anything else, Ben? I mean, well, I guess Ben, what's your favorite color? Like, what what color are you buying?
1: Of the three that we've, of the three we're launching with, I think. There's no question I'm gonna go with the magenta blue. I know that Is it is later going to exist, but I still think of this as my Is it, and I'm mm-hmm. just gonna go with that. Um, I also just t- t- tend to like pink. You're come on, you're a toy designer. You know, pink sells best always. Yeah, pink, pink, purple, magenta, yeah. whatever. It's it's I, it's I guess it's it's like a pink purple because it is a magenta, but it still
0: it still is the pinkest of the pink. So yeah, yeah, always.
1: I think that's great. That's that's my favorite.
0: I would I'd go with that one. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna do the six, the, the all six in, and uh, going to all uh, yeah, and then a lot, you know, you you can choose if you want to get an assortment or one of every all of the same color too, but I'll, I'll be choosing all of the same color. I I want, I'm a all.
1: total, uh, I I do this thing with my patrons over on my YouTube. Um, I do like a you know like a trivia study session once a week. Um, and uh, I will pick people for like movie of the week. It's like book report on your favorite movie or stuff like that. But I always uh, randomize and I you know I roll my my magic dice. Um, and everybody makes fun of me for it because they can't see it. I need one of these E20s so that when I'm doing my randomization, I can roll an actual novelty sized large item that you know they don't they'll stop making fun of me for that. so I, I'll
0: have to get oh, it. Yeah. Well, I mean, like some of the things that these are great for is like on spell table games, like dice are so small, especially if you want to have like a bigger counter, like in fact, or, or, or one of the, you know, energy yeah, counters, I like, like these are great to have to the side and just like slowly count down at what number you're at and actually be able to see it on stream. And, and also I, I play, you know, I, I run a D and D campaign, um, uh, we also have friends that do a lot of LARPing, and I'm excited to just like try and incorporate a D20 in that type of style of gameplay because they're fun for outdoor play. There's like a lot of cool stuff that you get to do with it. Not too much I know of. A lot, I have a lot of teacher friends. Like if you know a teacher uh, that, that have been really excited by it because they can use it in the classroom and yeah, right, Like It's a cool interactive piece, and and um and I guess I guess the last thing is, is please like send this and Dor- send the Kickstarter to your local game store. Like at a bare minimum, that's really helpful because there is a retailer tier. They're able to buy in at that level, Um, and that takes like no no effort, and 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 hopefully they 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 are excited by because it's a really cool product. And and so I mean it's
1: it's unique. I think like look we you and I have been uh, developing and selling retail products for years now, and the thing is like anytime you come up with an idea for something that's cool, the question you always have to ask yourself is like is this already out there? Right? Is this something that somebody else is doing? Have I seen this before? Have I bought this before? And the answer to that question is no. This is completely unique. A drop dot D20 does not exist. This is the first right. and only version of this product that exists. So it's like, this is the only place you can get it. It's a very cool thing. And I don't think we'd be pushing it as hard. if This was something that you could just like go to your local game store or like go to a convention. And there was a booth that already had this. Like right. the, we're, right. the only, right. we're the only place you're going to find
0: this. And it's a cool item. So check it out. Yeah, and, and help make it a thing that that because that eventually is the goal, right? We want local game stores to be able to have it. And and, and, and you can help make that happen by uh, donating to the Kickstarter and, and participating in the Kickstarter. All right. Uh, so uh, let's talk. Let's talk. Acorn symbols. OK,
1: <laughs> um, so. So we I, you mentioned acorns. You mentioned uh, is Unfinity is, I believe, the name of the set in question here. The next unset you get, you go back. Uh, this is, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong here, the fourth unset, We had unglued, we had unhinged, unstable, and then this is infinity. This is number four, correct?
0: Yes, yeah.
1: And, and you had, I guess, technically, you had mystery boosters, uh, w- which would be because of the mystery booster cards that the, the development cards that's they're sort of like the that was like 3.5 in some ways. Um, well, no, so, so, cards. so.
0: I would even say that there's also this, there's the, the like battle box set that came with Alexander Clamilton that has like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. my favorite land treatment of all time. I'm trying to remember what that set is called.
1: Didn't somebody we know create that card?
0: Yeah. Uh, Chris Mooney. They, 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 they actually were the main designer along with Mark Rosewater on this set. Infinity. Nice. Um, unsanctioned. It was unsanctioned is what that, what that, what that was in. Um, and so that then, was technically number
1: four then. So that, so this is technically
0: five. This is this is five or six, depending on uh, how you feel about the mystery booster cards that you were mentioning.
1: So the difference here, though, and, and the reason that we're talking about this, the, I mean, or at least the number one part of this conversation, is that this is the first unset to have entirely black borders, right? It's the first time they've made an unset that doesn't have silver borders.
0: Yeah, so the, the, the basic story behind this is... Um, they started the set just as a silver bordered set, right? They originally were building it from the very beginning as the sequel to on unstable unstable was extremely successful. They went to, I think six print runs is what he said in the article. So um, which is unheard of for supplemental sets. And so massive success. And so they were building the next one. And as they were doing it, the dungeons and dragons first set came out in the forgotten realms came out. And for the, the last three of these sets, D, like dice, were a silver border only mechanic. You weren't allowed to use dice. Speaking of other ways to use uh, these nice d20s, uh, <laughs> you weren't allowed to use dice and magic. And then, the, in the Forgotten Realms, made them a black border ability. And the problem is, is the dice rolling mechanic was one of like the easiest ways to make like functional magic cards that use luck but like are relatively balanced to build a set off of right it's really easy to make a common that uses like a d6 and do like two red and a white do one d6 worth of damage to target creature or roll a d6 and then and then whatever that is deal to target creature so like that is a very easy to balance play mechanic style but then it became black border and and the rule for a silver border set is no card can be in the set that doesn't have, that could be a black border card, right? They have to make everything kind of weird. And they find like small trinkety text to add to stuff like uh, this can only attack if you high five someone, or this is a two and a half, two and a half versus a three, three or a two, two. Um, So, but when they did that, they're like, Oh no, half of our set is just black border cards. So then Chris and Mark and the rest of the design team went through the set and, Realize that half the cards could just be black border cards. Like there's nothing specific about them that didn't allow them to do that. And I think it was even more than half. And they then kind of, and this is like the, maybe the complaint I have. I think Mark Rosewater wishes Commander Incorporated on cards from the very beginning. Or like, like I think there is like a negative that all of the silver border cards, even the ones that would be fun in Commander, are totally not allowed to be played in any format of magic that anyone plays. And and I do think that is one of the things that hurts the longevity of the early versions of these sets. And so they made the decision to change it from silver border to black border. And instead of having cards be designated as a card that is not legal because of the border, they're using the acorn symbol and that's on the like where a like the circle oval on rares or mythic rares would be the holographic one and on uh the the secret layer from other universes cards it's a triangle the the um uh the walking dead and the the stranger things and the uh street fighter cards all have a triangle instead of a circle in that holographic spot on rares and mythics it will now be an acorn and then on commons and uncommons, I think there's there's a symbol still in the, that location. It's just not holographic. It's just an acorn shape. So if there's an acorn on a card, it's not legal in any format.
1: I think with this, like so 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 jumping jumping the gun here for a moment on you know like what the point of this conversation is is there, there's there's two parts of it because number one historically, you've been a much bigger fan of unsets than me, and I'll I'll explain why in a second. I'm less of a fan, but more
0: more importantly than a that. I think You keep going. I don't know if I agree (laughs) with that. Uh, (laughs) I think that just to clarify, I think unstable is one of the coolest limited formats of all time, and uh, unglued got me to quit magic the first time. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. enough.
1: (laughs) you, You have a lot more like interest and sympathy and like zany fun than like I do. I'm a I'm an old curmudgeon. Everybody knows this. However, as far as the recognizing cards thing, this to me is like remember a few months ago when we were talking about certain sets and how the amount of text was like a turnoff for me. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was saying how like that's I think they're weaker sets because like I, my brain turns off. That's like, if you're going to compare like the issue here, that's like a two out of 10. And this is like an eight. Like it's like, I have such a hard time at this point, even looking at set symbols and remembering which set is which not because I don't, talk about magic every single week and play it but because like there's a lot of sets and a lot of the symbols are kind of similar like the holographics little oval you're talking about that was created like five years ago like that was i hardly even remember it happening like we're supposed to like recognize it as like i don't even pay attention to it right like i'm gonna read a card with a black border and a <laughs> and a rarity symbol and a, and i'm gonna be like oh that's like a regular magic card i'll just the, for sure right like there's no question i'll just I'll have to memorize the set symbol for this to be a hundred percent sure more than I am between other expansions, like far more to not just forget.
0: So, so this is where I'm at. I think it's not a mistake to have a lot of any of the cards that could just be black border legal, be black border legal in this set that I get right. Like there's going to be cool cards that come out in it. I do think it's a mistake that in unstable, there are cards that are 99.999% fine to play in Magic, including just contraption cards in general that could work in 60 card that don't, right? There's Like, contraptions work other than the few specific ones that, like, require physical actions. Most of them are just, like, the contraption deck happens, you do a thing, normal Magic mechanic happens. And now with stuff like Dungeons and other stuff, that's kind of been also brought into Black Border. So that stuff doesn't bother me. And I understand that that causes the card sheets to no longer be able to use the silver border frame, right? That that's the reason cards have borders is because when you print a card sheet, I'm going to use my camera uh, and wing it. See that card sheet right there. That's how cards are printed. And uh, it then goes through a machine that cuts them. On lines, And that machine is not perfect. And so the reason you have the black borders between the cards is because sometimes the machine is a little off. And if you had all the cards right next to each other, you would sometimes have the wrong card show up on the wrong card. But with the black border, you're given that margin of error to be able to miss. And so the silver border concept and gold border and black border only works if every single card in that print run is the exact same type of border which that's not the case here. You do get a little bit of freedom if it's different rarities or if you're incorporating a separate sheet. So if they were doing like a limited environment that was mostly black border and then they wanted to see like the double face cards, one card in every pack was silver border or vice versa. One card in every card was black border. Fine. Right. That that That's possible, but they had already built this entire limited format around just the cards as is, as a regular one. And it would have been so drastically different that I think that was not feasible. So Understand the dilemma. Could they have done a better job than making it the weird holographic symbol on the very bottom? That's my big like. So my problem there is you don't realize that this card that you're spending for a player who doesn't care about this—that uh, this card is not a card that you ever have to pay attention to—is legal in any other format until after you've read the entire card. Like your eyes just naturally going to read the card from top to bottom, left to right. Oh, like every yeah, right. human being reads really- it and then. The little last thing you see is going to be a symbol that you previously haven't paid attention to. But fine, like, I, I've I've learned to pay attention to new symbols. I, like I mean, and, and that's Alex. That's a stretch. Like you, you,
1: the average magic casual is going to like not even register the acorn. They're not even going to notice it.
0: it it's, no, I'm, no, no. I I agree with you. I'm, I'm, my my point is, is it's in the worst possible spot on the card to have to pay attention.
1: I'm to. saying even at the end of the card. I think the average casual fan will have zero like unless the oh, card no, that's where, seems that's, weird. That's where,
0: no, no, sorry. That's where it is now. I'm we're agreeing. I'm saying like where it is on the card right now. My my proposed solution of what they should have done, which is not what they did, and we're just gonna have to live in this world, is uh, if you remember the learn the learn cards. Okay, sure. Or the graveyard cards. The oh, whole That's
1: that's what I was thinking with with okay. the graveyard symbol, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so the learn cards did this. Uh, flip cards. The back side. Do this. Threshold does this. There's a symbol in the top left corner. If they had made that bigger and just put a big silver symbol in it, or a big acorn in that location, there you go. You solved your problem because, like, then it's the first thing you see, right? When you you open up your hand of cards, and even when you look at a hand, or you're going through a cards in a box, the first thing you are going to see is the top left corner, and that's where this should have been designated, not in a weird mystery spot on the bottom of the card on a space that, like, <laughs> not only do people not pay attention to it, the one time someone went out of their way uh, to use that symbol as a differentiation point in creating games, the community at large reacted negatively against it, right? Like, and, and we don't have to talk about what happened there because, but like, the the at one point someone uh, decided they didn't like the secret layer cards that were not within universe and those cards use a specific triangle on the bottom versus a circle in this exact same location and they proposed a format that uh, ignored those cards it was exactly commander everything the exact same as commander but specifically cards that had that symbol on it were not legal. Um, the community did not like the way that this had happened. And were pretty against using that symbol as a, as a way of keeping track of stuff. Yeah, Why that is not because they just hate that symbol, but there is a level of like recognizing that this symbol is not a thing that anyone's brain registers.
1: I think, I think the thing here to pay attention to, and I think for the casual sort of magic player uh, or listener of this show, you can divide the magic fan magic player into a few categories now. And I just think that a lot of those categories for one reason or another won't be able to immediately tell the difference in some of these cards. Some of them, you know, like, like okay, if you had Knight of the Hokey Pokey in the set, right? Like, you're going to have certain cards where it's like, okay, this is silly. But also, Magic has leaned further into, like, sillier names and sort of memes and comedy with their card design. Like that's been, that's become a part of magic design now. So some of these cards that are almost down the line, you
0: read the title, you're like, Oh, that's hokey. But they just do that now. That's not like, well, and, and there's, there, there's two layers of this that we haven't talked Now I want to preface. I think Chris Mooney is an, an amazing designer. They've done. Wait, before,
1: before, before you do that, I want to finish my yeah. point because I want to talk about the, the different sort of categories of magic layer. I think you have, and this is oh, a wait, little,
0: i do want to, i was I was going to lead to talking specifically about like funny cards versus not funny cards and not knowing i w- i want to stay on that point i was I was just apologizing at the time because I do want to talk about things I'm excited by at the end, but there are non acorn cards that yep. care about stickers in this set that are legal in legacy, and there are And then there's a card like Far Out, which is uh, a two-way enchantment. Rather than choose the indicated number of modes for spells and abilities you control, you may choose one or more modes. You can't choose any mode more than once enchantment. This has an acorn symbol. That card works within Magic's rules. Like, I've seen people try and figure out what card or what part of the Magic rules does this not work in. But every modal card, like, choose this and or this or, like, a command or a charm would function with this card with almost no issues. It would be very powerful, right? But like that's not the point of uncards. Uncards are not possible in black border. Not too powerful for black border. And this card reads three mana enchantment. You just have to choose every one of the four abilities on cryptic command. You no longer can choose the same mode twice on uh the the, the one that's weird is the um uh the five what's the five mana counterspell you choose any of the abilities three times. Mystic confluence. And this like the confluence is but it it even saves you. You can't choose the same ability more than once, so you just have to choose each of the abilities. Excuse me. Each of the abilities on it one time. Why is that an acorn card? I don't know. Why is Wicker Picker 3-mana artifact creature scarecrow guest? Creature spells you cast have Sticker Kicker 1. You may pay an additional 1 as you cast a creature spell. If you do, you get a sticker. Then you may put a sticker on it. 2-3? Yeah. That's I mean, a, that is a... I don't... Are we, are we like, and I'm going to read, part of this is going to actually talk about the sticker mechanic, but right. Why are stickers legal in magic? But
1: so my, my thought is basically like you've got the most casual of all casual magic fans. Right. And again, I don't even realistically know how many of these magic fans exist anymore because these are the designations from a long time ago. But let's just, let's just say that in the 25% of most casual category, You've got the, the guy who is at target one day and he buys a few booster packs or two like starter decks, commander, whatever, like whatever with, you know, his friend, uh, husband and wife, whoever. They, they buy it together and they go home and they, they read the rules and they learn and they play magic a few times, right? That's like the most casual. That person will read these cards and they might not even register that silly cards with silly rules <laughs> are even not part of magic. That might just go over their head, right? They might just assume that it's the same. So, okay, so that that person probably plays these cards, they don't even really think about it. The next category, which is like the intermediate player, that's somebody who's probably played magic for a little while, they know the rules pretty well, they might register that these cards are funky, they might register that there's something weird about them, but they also might not know cards well enough to be able to tell the difference, they might feel a little off, but they might just be confused by it, it could be a turnoff, right? You get into the next category, which I guess would be like where I'm at, which is competitive, played Magic for quite a long time, knows the game very well. But still, at this point in Magic, there's been so many sets. Even at my level of knowledge, competitiveness and experience, I still think I might read certain cards like far out like that card. If I read that card and I just like picked it up, I don't think I would register that that card was not legal. I just don't even think I, it would be kind of confusing in the same way that other cards are confusing with a lot of text. I wouldn't even question it. I would just go past it. I wouldn't want to play it because it would kind of make my head hurt, right? I feel like the really? only I think, category. You saw,
0: I think if you if you saw Far Out in a black border set, you would love this card.
1: Sure, but fair, fair. I guess my point is, I I think it's confusing when you read it a little bit, so I think I might leave it in the dust. But I, it would not love be like this card's a mistake and an Acorn and where it's placed, like. I wouldn't get to the bottom of the card and go, oh, the acorn, it's not real. I I wouldn't even see the acorn. I would just, my eyes would go past it. I think the only category of player that will definitively know that this set is 100% not a real thing is that top 25% of competitive, heavily invested Magic players where, like, they're following the news cycle, they're on Twitter, they're very aware. I
0: think that's stark. I think, like, I agree, I think... I think I agree with you that there's a 25% of Magic player who just is going to buy these cards and think they're real. I think that's a little bit of the intent. I think there's a little bit of a secret goal, tinfoil hat on. To because like, Magic
1: is okay with that, right? Like I, I didn't say that, but I was thinking that. Like I don't know if they really care if that super casual player just plays these cards and thinks they're real. I think they're okay right. with that at this point.
0: I don't. I don't think they do either. I think they want it to happen. I think they, and, and I would even like. I would even then argue that they want they want the Acorn cards as much as possible to show up in Commander. They, they, Their view on the commander side, which is like kind of the big question mark within the space, right? Is like there's a middle ground of commander player that this is a self-regulated format. You're going to enter games and be like, hey, I don't want to play against sticker cards. Now you have to because they're blackboard or they're just straight up legal. But the regular acorn cards that are a little confusing, you're going to sh- just have them in your deck and you're going to go to a game like, oh, that's actually not legal. And is that those cards aren't going to be too powerful, right? Most of the time, these acorn cards are going to show up and it's going to be like it's going to be like Angelic Herald. Whenever Angelic Herald ends the battlefield, may put a name sticker on a non-land permanent you own. Each creature you control with three or more words on it gets plus one, plus one. That card's not broken in any way. It's just like an uncommon legend. Are you going to really be like, hey, I'm sorry, you have to take that out of your deck. They're just going to be like, what? And you're doing like, well, I guess it's not too powerful. It's fine. So in some ways, I think they want just like that twenty five percent to play. I think fifty yeah. percent of Magic players are going to like know what these are and not want them to be in their games. I think like I think it's I think it's that level of anyone who like is competent in the rules of the game is going to know what these do and 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 know that like oh if there's a silver border card that's not legal in Magic or silver symbol on the bottom that's not legal or silver acorn on the bottom that's not legal in Magic. Um, I think there's also a level to this that kind of relates back to. It's not the
1: same thing, but it's also not so dissimilar from the conversation we had in the pre-show about the MCU and the expansion and things changing, which is like, if you were in the camp of who somebody who was very familiar with the MCU in the early phases and building up to Infinity War and you were pretty self-serious about like, how it worked and knowing everything, and now there's a lot more content. There's just a lot more different, right? Like we talked about Love and Thunder and Multiverse of Madness and how they, they are very stylized films it's kind of the same thing as Magic. Magic was really self-serious for a long time. It really was. Like, it had, like, a very Dungeons and Dragons, demons and wizards and elves, and, like, just like this, we were, we were, like, the Lord of the Rings card game. It was, like, poker and chess meets, right? Like, that's kind of what we were, and good and evil and all that. And, like, we're not really that anymore. There's, like, there's an expansion to any number of things, to stuff like this, which is kind of funny, and then there's, like, stuff like Alexander Clamilton, and there's even just, like, silly names of cards in sets that are just kind of there for to be fun and zany. And, and you've got, you know, stranger things and Street Fighter secret layers. And you, you've got a lot of different stuff that appeals to a lot of different people. Now, I think magic and the intent now from design is it's just a little different than it used to be. And, and those of us that have played for as long as you and I have, I think there's just a little like a natural question mark when, when you get into space like this, which is, you know, am I holding on to the thing I'm familiar with? Is that as important as what magic is now? Maybe magic's just yeah. different. I,
0: and, 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 you know, uh, I've talked to friends that were a part of, you know, a, a different design scenes at Wizards. And, and, and one point that they, I've, I've, I have seen repeated, which is true, is these sets are best looked as a whole. Right. When you look at the set on an individual card basis, often they look silly and weird or that mechanic looks broken. But then when you get to play the limited environment or you get to play with how the cards play, your brain just like fixes itself. Right. Like when I yeah. play this in limited, I'm probably going to have a blast. Like that, right. That's one thing I will say. I'm going to buy a case of this set because I know that the limited version of this set is going to be one of the most fun drafting experiences you can have. Uh, I think that um, the fact that some of these cards are going to be legal in, in other formats is going to be really cool because there's going to be really cool. Stuff that's added to magic. Uh, my, my two complaints at the moment is that stickers feel weird, but maybe they just act like counters. They could be just as similar to ability counters or just more specific, which then probably fine. I love ability counters, so that, and Ben doesn't, so that, that is a conflict there. <laughs> um, I And I, I do think that they're probably on mostly limited cards. Like maybe they were careful to not put them on too many cards that are like format defining. And I, I do think my brain is just going to be able to say, like, acorn cards don't count. I think I wish they were on the top of the card, right? I wish they were more obvious so my brain can more immediately realize. Like, I read all of Far Out thinking this was a legal card, and then at the very end realized it wasn't. Because <laughs> nothing on the card is weak. Like Cards that are like, go high-five an opponent, I'm going to I'm gonna pretty quickly realize that oh, this isn't the card that I need to worry about. It's the weird ones like this that are on the line that are going to take me three times to realize and and the fact that sticker cards aren't all of this is another thing that's hurting my brain, where like Angelic Herald is an acorn card, but Wicker Picker isn't an acorn card. Which which the like yeah, so that's that's kind of the like need to see the whole set that, that that's one thing I will will caveat is before we I like totally hate on stickers and so for those and, and to explain how stickers work so for those who don't know how stickers work uh in limited however many sticker cards you draft I believe you have access to in constructed you have a deck of I believe 10 sticker cards uh as like a second sideboard and then you choose three at random at the beginning of the game and those are the stickers you will have access to and then cards give you sticker tickets uh that you can use Play sticker effect cards, which maybe maybe that's the point. There's a bunch of ways to get stickers, but there's no ways to use stickers. Like that's the one thing that we haven't seen. I don't think we have a. Oh no, we do. They they you may put a sticker on a non land permanent you own. So I don't. I they're they're an energy like resource, and you get to put stickers on cards, and they just those are black border legal. Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, stickers are cool. It's like Exalted. Exalted is an ability you can give a creature, or Shadow, or Infect, uh, I've seen, or 7-4 uh, Power and Toughness, or a 1-5 Power and Toughness, and, and they all have different costs associated with them. So.
1: so everything's Black Border, but the Acorn cards are not legal, but sticker cards are.
0: Not all sticker cards are, just a selection. Of, the sticker mechanic can be Black Border. Or can be uh, magic legal, you know, regular format legal, eternal legal.
1: Got it. Okay, yeah. I, I definitely, I, I would say I find it moderately confusing. So it'll have to be, I'll have to get a little more, a little more. Familiar. Well, there's, there's
0: two parts of it, right? There's stickers can be black border. That's just true. They're not all black border. Some of them are black border. Some of them aren't. For instance, in Inge- Angel Performer, Angelic Herald is not black border. Not because it uses stickers, but because it requires three or more words in its name. So if a card has three words in its name, it gets a benefit, right? That's why it's an acorn card, not because it uses sticker cards. The sticker cards themselves have a mechanical function. Basically, some cards give you tickets. You can use tickets to buy stickers. Stickers have a cost of Three, five, six, one, two, seven, whatever. So that's that's how the mechanic works. And then you put those stickers depending on how you get those cards onto creatures you control or permanents you control, and they add those effects, be it a power and toughness, a name change, uh, a um, an ability, etc. Got it. Got it. And they like so, like for instance, it gives if you have a two two, you can give this seven four sticker to the two two and make it a seven four, kind of like mutate um and my guess is it's very fun to play it's just very hard to do what i just did which is explain it to you and yeah that's all those are the main things we know uh, other than the fact that the lands are just all gorgeous have you seen like the, the the basics and the shock lands are all amazing i have i have seen them
1: and they're amazing yeah gorgeous unbelievable this is um, always the case though, right this is the biggest this is the like at this point that's we all know the big selling point of an unset is to be the lands every time and that's how they're going to, like, I would say that, like, that's how they, that's how they guarantee they're going to sell product to people who don't mm-hmm. care because Unstable was extremely successful because those lands were epically cool. They were so nice.
0: Yeah. Now, now we go on to Dominaria. So, that, unless you have any you have any other thoughts on, on nope. Unstable, cool. Dominaria. Um, so, two things happened in Dominaria. They previewed some specific cards. We're going to go over those. They have specific meanings behind them. They also, uh, an Amazon player's guide to planeswalkers which is like a story breakdown. It's kind of like if you remember those old Star Wars books that like have like the guide to vehicles. I have one right here. Uh that like has like every vehicle you oh, saw. Sure, sure, sure. You like the visual
1: visual dictionary, that whole thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's that for planeswalkers. It's by Jan Ellie, who's an awesome follow on Twitter, uh, friend of the podcast. Um and magic story aficionado. Uh, and, and we'll talk about one of his big theories that uh, is a part of what this thing is. So that for sale goes for sale later this year. The pre-order for it went up on Amazon and it just happens to include pages from the book as previews. And uh, three of those pages included massive spoilers, <laughs> like massive, massive character death, storylines, spoilers. Oh, that we no. won't go over in the second half of this uh, uh, thing. We're not there yet. We're going to first talk about the cards that were officially revealed um and and a few things so so a the lands uh wizards keeps knocking out of the park we got some amazing stained glass window looking lands uh that are once again one of the prettiest lands they've come out with they keep those those
1: those looked incredible yeah that was like that was
0: like four or five days ago right that was like amazing um another thing is that there's a box topper set of i believe 48 legends from the original legend set That are all, like, reimagining of the... Because if you go and you look through Legends, there's a ton of Legends cards. And all of them almost all of them are stone-cold unplayable stats-wise. It's like a 4-4 four, four for 12 <laughs> that yeah. has vigilance. Or like, uh, uh, you know, uh, a 7-drop blue-black legend that taps for a single blue <laughs> mana. Um, and so they've, they've shown three of them, but they're, they're, they're reprinted versions of those legends that are more playable by today's standards. So you've got Tor. So far we've seen three Tor, Waki the Younger, three Black-Red, Human archer reach lifelink 3-3. Three, three. If another source you would control deals combat damage to a permanent or player, it deals that much damage plus one to that permanent or player instead. Whenever you cast an instant or source you expel, spell, it deals two damage to any target. I feel like you're super hyped about this card. That card's real sweet. Yeah, that card's real. Um, one thing that is cool is they're all uncommons. We don't know why. There's two theories I've seen. My, the one is there's going to be rare, mythic rare, common, and uncommon of these rares in the the box topper packs you get with your box of which ones so some of them are going to be more rare than others which i think is going to be true regardless my personal favorite and i don't know if this is true and i'd love for someone the, the comments to correct me is that they are all uh the same rarity that they were in legends
1: got it okay yeah because because Tur- is or Wauki is uh, that's an original legends card for sure i think i have that card
0: well, all three of these, all three of these are original Legends cards, and all three of them, I think, were uncommons in Original Legends because Legends didn't have rares. So they're like leaning into that cool aesthetic. And the other, so, Jasmine Borrell the seven, three mana, two four tap to make blue, uh, green, white. Spend this mana only to cast creature spells with no abilities. So like only can cast vanilla creatures, and then creatures you control with no abilities can't be blocked by creatures with abilities. Um, so makes them all kind of unblockable. And then Ramirez de Pietro, Pillager, two blue, black, human pirate. When a is the APHO pillager enters the battlefield, you lose two life, and create two treasure tokens. Whenever one or more pirates you control deals combat damage to a player, exile the top card of that player's library, you may cast that card for a long as remaining. <laughs> These are all like original cards from Legends that now are getting like really cool reprint cards. Um that, that that's really fun. Now, the other cool thing in regards to legends, before getting into some of the other cards, is that wizards found in a warehouse a bunch of legends boxes. <laughs> And they are taking cards from those legend boxes and including them in packs as possible treasures that you can open in individual packs.
1: This is like so, the old
0: masterpieces that
1: you would get in Zendikar that were never really confirmed. Well, not Zendikar, but in uh, second Zendikar,
0: right? It was no, uh, no, 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 no. First Zendikar had beta and alpha, like Black Lotus, like cards in packs for the that first time. Confirmed?
1: Around. Has anybody like? Do we do we know anybody
0: that was, that was officially announced part of the marketing for the set. People have opened real cards from them, Yeah. Got it, got it, got it, got it. And then, and then this is the second one. Now now, people are joking like, did you actually find them in a warehouse as someone who manages the warehouse, uh, that could happen. <laughs> no doubt in my mind <laughs> that some person put in one of Hasbro's many warehouses, a bunch of legends products in 1996, especially because they got bought by Hasbro. So like, who knows? where it was and just has like been sitting under a bunch of boxes. And then they went through it and it was like, oh, here's generic magic product. Oh, we have a hundred cases of legends in this. Well, also,
1: because, also because on that note, like just to add to your point. So if, you know, when Hasbro got bought, sorry, when Hasbro bought wizards, like if they had been sitting on a bunch of boxes of alpha and beta at the time, that wouldn't have gotten lost. Because at that time, even at that point, those cards were worth so much money. Legends cards didn't go crazy until like 5 or 6 years ago when the reserve no, list no. I
0: mean there was 10 years there. ago but still no, still no. agreed like 20 it years ago. If you
1: look at the whole legend set and I've done it because obviously I did I bought a lot of this stuff, there's like 3 or 4 cards from the whole set that like sure. back in the late 90s were legit, right? Like Tabernacle, there was a few legends cards that were like this is worth a 1000 or more dollars whereas like five, six, seven years ago, all of a sudden, even just generic cards were getting to be worth like hundreds, right? So those boxes could have gotten stashed somewhere because someone was like, I mean, we have a bunch of sealed boxes of a set that has like one or two kind of power cards, but this is not like the most valuable asset, right? This is a lot of bad cards. All these cards we're talking about, all these legends are like a lot of the rares. Now they're worth a
0: crazy amount of money. Because legends are worth something, right? Like there's there's something exciting about legendary creatures okay. now that there never was for most of Magic history. Exactly. Legendary was just a bad drawback with iconic characters. Now it's like the most important piece of text you can have on a card, uh, and. One thing that is cool, also about the all uncommon, just big shout out to the artisan format. Uh, these are all artisan legal commanders, so it's like a big, big boon to that format, which is really dope, um, and that's exciting. Um, so yeah, so you can buy get legends packs. Tabernacle obviously is going to be one of the best ones you can get. That's one thing that people pointed out too, though, even to Ben's point, is that most legends cards are not worth that much, even to this day. There's just oh, the reserveless like, ones. But, but,
1: but like, I, but look, my, I guess, I guess to you know, I already said it, but like. They purchased them in 1999, guys. Like in 1999, Magic had literally been in existence for six years. You could have bought a box of Legends in 1999. I'm not kidding you. For probably like two thousand bucks, maybe, maybe less, maybe like fifteen hundred. In '99, a box of Legends was not worth that much money. Box of Legends yeah. now is probably worth like forty grand. Like the reason you could find a case of that, you could put a ca- you know cases of that into a warehouse in '99 was because like. Why the company of that size is not gonna prioritize something that's worth like, I don't know, a couple thousand bucks, fifteen hundred bucks. It's kind of important, but it could get stashed somewhere. It's not yeah. the same thing as a box of beta in ninety nine, it was probably already at that point worth like fifteen thousand dollars.
0: Yeah. No, and, and and that that's a really good point, right? Like Hasbro bought wizards. That's when accounting stuff gets weird, especially inventory. They probably are just like, okay, just you have all this magic product that you can't ship anymore because it's out of print, but whatever. We'll just put it in this warehouse or we'll just like figure out which distributors. And then, and that's the other point, is that Wizards distributes product through distributors. And we know working with some of them that they work on a thing called consignment, which is that they hold on to product for you that they get to the sell off of and they'll only pay you for that product once they sell it um and the chances are that this set of legends was at like a distributor that was doing consignment on it and they like either ended their relationship with hasbro or wizards when hasbro bought them or even held on to it a little bit past that but eventually just like sent all the product that wasn't shipping back it was no longer organized it was a bunch of just like random boxes of different magic product most of it was probably like more recent stuff right it was like okay here's a bunch of prophecy like wizard just like put in a back room like well that, like some guy was like i'll go through this at some point and then just never did and boxes got piled on top of boxes and and then when they like during covid they probably like re- reorganized where everything was in at some point and they're like oh there's a bunch of like really old magic product and they're like. I would even bet it this far. I bet, like, the warehouse guy doesn't even play Magic. But he knows that, like, Post Malone and Logan Paul were buying all these Pokemon cards and all these collectibles went from being a thing that no one cared about to being worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Found a bunch of old boxes and was like, hey, boss, I think I found the gold mine, which ended up being true to some extent. But, like, you know, before it, probably most of it was, like, prophecy. <laughs> but they found Legends on the bottom of it or whatever, and they were able to use it as this big promotion. Um, it's our theory. that's that's my (laughs) running that's my for sure running theory um but so so that's cool legends is going to be in it um and and then there was some story reveals so um i guess one other thing is uh uh, we got shivan devastator was a mythic rare that was previewed and it's a dragon hydra i've talked about this on tiktok but i haven't talked about it here i want you so the the five iconic creatures dragon hydra angel demon sphinx right each color has one. They're their big mythic creature that they try to have them in every set if possible. Um, there's only been three black border real cards ever printed with both creature ty- like where they like creatures sharing the types. So there's been a few demon dragons, Malphagore, and now the new, the Riveteers one from New Capenna. New Capenna also added demon Sphinx. And then uh, we have had, um, oh, what's the other one? Demon Dragon, Demon Sphinx. Well, we for sure now now the one of the third ones is Shivan Devastator. So Dragon Hydra has been printed, and that's dope, and I'm excited. There is a Angel Dragon, but it's one of the like Wizards of the Coast employed did a really great job. Here's a promo for that team for doing such a good job on this specific product. That's not legal in any format, so it kind of hardly counts. So this is the third, and I want I want like a I want to I want a Sphinx Hydra. I want a Hydra Angel. And w- you know I want to mix and match these Angel Demons is obviously one that I think a lot of people want. This card's also sweet. Uh, it's a flying hasting X red, uh, which I don't think we've ever gotten.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I that doesn't sound familiar to me, and I agree with you that a Dragon Hydra sounds real sweet. Real
0: sweet. Um, the next the next card is is Jaya Fury Negotiator. Two red red legendary planeswalker. Jaya, create a 1-1 one, one red monk creature token with prowess. A minus one exile the top two cards of your library. Choose one of them. You may play that card this turn. Minus two. Choose two target creatures in Choose, tar- choose target creature an opponent controls. Whenever you attack this turn, Jaya deals damage equal to the number of attacking creatures to that creature. And then an emblem of you get an emblem with a minus eight. Whenever you cast a red instant or sorcery spell, copy it twice. You may choose new targets for that spell. Um, That's quite,
1: quite strong, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I, I posted a whole thing on Twitter, but I want to know your thoughts.
1: But I think card is really good. Um, you know, the first thing you look at here is this is a four mana planeswalker that comes down on four, four loyalty. So good stats to begin with. Um, it has a plus to make a 1-1, so you got a plus to make a 1-1 that protects itself. So again, just right off the bat, we're starting off pretty well. Minus Exile the Top 2, this is going to be similar to like many four, many of the 4-mana card advantage walkers where the best ability is that ability. So I feel like uh, there was a Narset that was like this, there might have been a Dovin that was like this. The Good Chandra,
0: the 4-mana one, was yeah, similar too. to this. The two good four mana Chandras, right? The four mana, the first one, and then the and then the four ability one, both have the Exile card. This is not a zero; it's a minus, but it does get two cards, which is which is better.
1: Very strong. Choose target creature opponent controls. Whenever you attack this turn, deals damage equal to uh, the number of attacking creatures. Uh, that's a pretty weak ability, but it's okay. It's all right. Like it's it's going to be some kind of removal, uh, and you can make a one one and like attack and deal one at least. Um, and then obviously the emblem. I mean, you never pay attention to the, the ultimate on any planeswalker. They're basically irrelevant. Um, but I think the top two abilities here are really strong. The fact that they're plus one and minus one, I think those are both very,
0: very, very good. It, it reminds me of like if Elsbeth uh, and the first Chandra had a child together, right? Yeah. You have a plus ability that is very comparable to the original Elsbeth, making a 1 1 every turn. And kind of the prowess kind of does a little bit of Elsbeth's second ability as you can pump it. And then the second ability lets you pump it because it lets you draw for cards, and then also is a card advantage engine that's really powerful. So I, I think that's pretty cool. The last card is Evolved Sleeper. And um Oh, I also need to mention Shaven Devastator's uh, uh text. Um Evolved Sleeper confirms that the Phyrixians are are on Dominaria. <laughs> so one black for a human one-one. Uh you can pay a black. Evolved sleeper becomes a human cleric with base power or toughness two two. Uh, you can pay two then if uh, it becomes a death, it gets a death touch counter and becomes a Phyrexian human cleric with base power three, three. And then if it's a Phyrexian, you may pay three and put a plus one, plus one counter at making a four, four. And then you draw a card and lose a life.
1: So it's interesting. Cause it's like, it's, it's a black version of your, you know, figure of destiny, your student mm-hmm. of warfare, that card, um, your the more recently,
0: the green one. Uh, the nice one is that it's, it's at, all oh, the level up cards, right? The nice thing about this though is that it's at instant speed. So level up classically is sorcery speed. And This one you can do. Figure of Destiny was at instant speed, and that was the good one. Now, yeah, Figure, figure of Destiny,
1: was figure. instant exactly. And then you had you had the you had the 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 um, modern horizons green one that was really good. Um, I can't think of the name of protection from instance. Yeah, uh, that the one.
0: Yeah. So this is that no, same that, thing. That, that was the level up one. Hex drinker was. Uh,
1: um, but yeah, figure was the was the classic, like actually good. You could do all the good stuff. But what's interesting here is that it's cost one, cost two, cost three. Like it, it, it's pretty cheap. Its top end is not that top, um, but it does seem like a good card. It's so funny how because two power for one mana is so common now, that first ability is just almost just like a throwaway. <laughs> right. Like the first ability is almost just like, OK, like this could have just been a two one. Like that, almost like doesn't matter. Um, it, like paying a mana on turn two to attack for two, I know is what the point there is. It's, it's you have the optionality if you don't have anything else on turn two to just like swing for two. Um, but even so, it, I still think like that's that's fairly interesting. I don't know that a three-three death touch for three mana between those two phases is actually good enough. Like that, my, my feeling, on, yeah, my feeling on this card is that it's basically a mana behind is what this card feels like. Feels like this needed to be a one mana two one to begin with, or needed to yeah, cost. Yeah, it just feels a little underpowered. That's all. I
0: think. I think this will be a standard player, like a one mana black two two yeah. is going to see play and standard and has pretty much most times, especially if it has other relevant abilities. And this has pretty relevant abilities. Um, so, so this and then Shiv and Devastators, uh, flavor Texas. Uh, there were many reasons why Shiv was not high on Children's list of places to conquer. Big, fiery reasons. So, Children is still alive. Uh, i got a to give a big, I told you so to everyone. I'm expecting Children to be, uh, in this set. Um, Phryxians are invading. That's all happening, uh, on Dominaria. And, um, how do you, are you excited about that? Is that something you expect? I know story doesn't matter you to that much, but I feel like there's a little bit of the overarching stories that you like. Is that something there's that's hitting, some
1: you know? parts of story that appealed me more than others. The Phyrexian stuff is, is one of my favorites. I have an affection for it. I like it. It involves parts of story that I find really interesting. I also think like this card is hilarious. Cause like when you talk about power creep, <laughs> this isn't even that good of a card. Like it's, it's a pretty good card. You were just talking about it a second ago, but thinking about it compared to like the classic Hydra, like the classic, like Hydra, which was just like one X, <laughs> that was the card. You just it yeah. comes into play with X plus one zone counters. This is like this is one X with flying and haste on the counters, and it's like not even that good. It's just a totally
0: okay card. I think flying and haste on this ability is pretty good, though. Like I think that I, once again, I don't think this is modern playable. Let me back that up. I don't think this is a modern staple. Uh, I think there's corner cases though, like. Flying haste, so for 3 mana you get a 2-2 two, two haste, for 4 mana you get a 3-3 three, three haste. As soon as you get above that, you start getting really powerful, and it's fine to cast it at those lower power levels in aggressive decks. Yeah. Uh, like, as a 1-of in a red deck that is trying to be aggressive, like, this is just going to be good almost always. Um, and you normally have enough stuff to be doing on turn 1 and 2 that you wouldn't cast it there anyways. Also the fact that, like, in decks, like, like the place that I'm, like, thinking in my head is partially, like, Vengevine decks, too. Uh, where, like, you can cast this for one, it'll die, and then Benjoin gets back. Or you can draw it later and cast it for whatever you need to scale up and get a big, hasty threat in the play, which, like, Benjoin decks kind of also want. So I kind of don't hate it in that type of
1: format. I feel like they continue to develop cards that are, like, we get more and more and more support for Dragon Tribal every year to the Mm -hmm. point that eventually it's going to be a beast. Eventually it's going to be really, really quite good. I mean, like, Even like Sark and Fireblood that it was like a four of in a GP winning deck a few years back, like, you know, that's a planeswalker, that's that's fine, but it like has a plus to add to to your mana pool to cast any dragon. (laughs) And like that that with this card is really good. (laughs) It's right. Like there's there's lots of cost reducers, there's there's a lot of good dragons. I mean, um just just
0: any number of any number of good dragons at this point. So I think I think like flying haste is very powerful right and like this scales up very well and it might just be a little underpowered i think it's standard like i think almost all the cards they previewed are like standard powerhouses if not if not important role players um all right so we've now reached the end just once again uh make sure to check out the kickstarter we're really it's really appreciated uh, especially because a lot of people are going to leave at this point before the leaks conversation starts uh it's really exciting to be doing stuff like this uh, it's, it's, it's a really cool product. Uh, it has a lot of different versatile uses and it's just like a really fun novelty thing. Uh, the first level to buy in is even not that expensive. Uh, it's under $40, 35. Um, and if you're doing it day one today, you can do it for 30, I think. Uh, and, um, beyond that, it's just like a, uh, there's a bunch of cool add-ons to it. It helps us get to like the full D set six, uh, set of D dice, which can be really cool as well. Obviously usable magic, especially now that D twenties are both important for cards specifically, or just like keeping track of counters. Um, as well if you play D and D or do any kind of a lot of fun stuff. Like, you know, right now we are doing a part uh, as part of part of the campaign every day on Kickstarter. We're deciding what we're gonna eat at lunch, uh, using the dice. We have a D twenty chart that you roll and then you get to decide what you eat that day. Uh today we ate Taco Bell, uh, which was dope. All right.
1: Let's talk spoilers.
0: All right. So, as I said at the front, Jay and Ellie. Made this awesome book it looks really really amazing I recommend buying it <laughs> uh once it comes out uh but Amazon and' posting it shared a few pages and 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 three three to four major spoilers were spoiled during it um the first one I'm gonna start with the smallest one because uh, this is one I actually didn't see on the first day is that it showed like uh the it showed mirroriden it showed New Phyrexian. it showed every layer of the different planes because uh, there it the way Mirrodin is built there's like different core levels. I am forgetting what it's called, but basically it's Dante's Inferno. Uh and they showed the bottom one, which is like their big weapon that they're using to reach into other dimensions. And it's the um it's like the it's a Phyrexianized version of the world tree from Caldheim. Okay. Um so that's a cool that's a small one. That's not a big spoiler, but that was in it. Um but if you're next- like
1: but if you're unaware of, you know, story-ish. You're still having to connect dots there to know. It's because you have
0: to pay the image. And And the next thing are are, are major things. Uh, uh, The next one, and this is a little bit of a deep cut, so uh, during Magic Origins, we saw Liliana's backstory, right? And and one of those things is that this character called the Raven Man, which was like almost like an illusionary ghost character, convinced, showed her how to save her brother using medicine, and when she used it, she turned her brother into a lich lord. And that horror and what she did turned her into a necromancer is why she planeswalked walked to the first time that Raven man has kind of been seated as like one of the next big villains in the magic story, especially as we've defeated uh, the Eldrazi. We've defeated Nylkobolas. We're now about to go war with the Phryxians. There's like, you've got to look for those other villains that are available in the future. Uh, there's been a long running theory by Jay and that, uh, that that character was Limdul. And there's like a bunch of different evidence from that story. And for those who don't know, Limdul is like an old school magic card.
1: Uh, Lindul's vault. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> he has a card, I think, in Time Spiral as well. Limdul's vault is his most famous card. Uh, confirmed. So the, so the way that this has been confirmed, as this theory has been confirmed as true, is in this leak. So we now know that Limdul is going to be a major character as the Raven Man in this Dominaria set, uh, and that they are the, one and the same. The next one is that a Johnny Goldmane has been turned into a Phyrexian.
1: What? (laughs) (laughs) Obi-Wan Kenobi is turned, is turned, uh, is more machine now than man. Really?
0: Yep. So, so, uh, in Chandra's text, it talks a little bit about, uh, what her backstory is. And the last paragraph is, um, A Johnny Goldman is uh, a Phyrexian. And and, uh, that's one of the terrible things that's happened to her during the Dominaria set. So the plot of this set is going to lead to him becoming uh, the next. So Tommy was the first one. He's going to be the next Phyrexianized character.
1: All right. So here's my question for you. So in Magic, uh, if one of the characters was going to be like, uh, A Johnny Goldman, he's more machine now than man, twisted and evil, who would say that about A Johnny? (laughs) <laughs> oh, teferi teferi right? all right that's yeah. sweet
0: <laughs> yes uh if i were to imagine a character that sounds like Owen mcgregor that's not a johnny it's teferi um so especially because he's um in this set as well uh but yeah so i i feel a few ways this. it's sad it's like really sad right like a johnny is a character that's pretty beloved i love that magic has the ability to tell stories where i feel sad i think that's actually one of the strengths that we all like the way that everyone reacted to Tommy becoming a Phyrexian is cool, and I think like that's going to be true here. I think whatever the Johnny Phyrexian card is going to look dope. I think like Phyrexian Cat Planeswalker with that scimitar, but like yeah. robotic, is going to look so sick. Um, uh, what color combo do you think he's going to be? I'm looking at it has the be, be two, so the the way the Phyrexian mana hybrid symbol is a is a two color symbol.
1: I'm going to tell you in a second here. I'm just checking just just to just to like put in f- frame of reference for you guys cuz I remember the first Ajani Johnny card. I'm a fan of Johnny as a character. I feel the same way you do. We're like I've been around now with this character for a while, even including like core set expansions. Looks like we have 12 Ajani's now. We've 12 Ajani's. That's a lot of Ajani's, man. That's like that's like a character that's been around. I've played that card. I've drafted that card like all right. If we're gonna go with the with the, uh, you know, this is probably more like Empire
0: Strikes Back.
1: Vader is my is my feeling. Um, yeah.
0: There's there's yeah. two real options, right? Yeah, I feel like,
1: oh, man, I like. I feel like you have got it. Like black seems almost impossible to not have black in there. Like 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 black and white. I guess. Red well, and- Tommy.
0: Tommy was blue green, right? Which is just yeah. our standard colors. So so it's it doesn't have to be. I don't think he's going to gain a color i think he's i think we're going to get a planeswalker that's become phrixianized in either every color combo or like all enemy color combos or something you know like a, there'll be a cycle of them
1: i feel like a johnny has to be wise still but you need to have some sort of cunning so maybe we're gonna could a johnny could a johnny become Maybe blue, black. Could you
0: have a blue, black, Johnny? Oh, you're going wild. I, I think it'll be one, a color he's been before. Like, I think it's going to either be red, white or green, white. <laughs> I mean, maybe you could it, you could be true. It could just go wild in a different direction. But I, I'm 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 more on the like, will he be white, red or will he be white, green? I think it would be dope if he went back to white, red as a Phyrexian. And then that also continues like the enemy colors are the ones that are sure. completed Ajani, he's yeah, been Ajani green Ajani. for like five, six years now. So like white, green is like the expected option.
1: Johnny Vengeance, like a a classic. I I was just, yeah, I was just trying to to think about like that veteran mentor character becoming evil. I guess white, you know, because it's the same he's been forever. So maybe, yeah, maybe you're right. White, black, white,
0: red. Well, I think he has to be white, right? There's an option that he's mono white, right? And and I'm wrong that the Phyrexian symbol has to be a gold hybrid. It could just be a single Phyrexian mana to do that same uh, ability.
1: What if it was white? And then a blue black hybrid Esper. That it could be that.
0: Is that is that what you're betting on? You're betting on Esper is going to be the. You're
1: being such a bully. You're like I'm the smart guy that knows all about magic, and you're just I'm just (laughs) asking things. You're so wrong. (laughs) It could be. (laughs) It could be that. For the record, guys, if a Johnny comes out and a Johnny has some blue black going on, I'm gonna dunk on Alex on Twitter that day. Oh yeah,
0: if a Johnny is not either white red or white green, I give you full permission to dunk on. Yeah, you're such Um, a. <laughs> so then the uh the other big spoiler from the set. There's one more and then and that'll be the end of the episode. So uh if you thought the Ajani spoiler was big, this is a comparable in size spoiler, maybe a little less uh but like you know, forever be warned and and please put big spoiler warnings before before each of these. Um he kills he kills Jaya. Ajani kills Jaya. <laughs> Jaya's dead. Jaya's dead. This is her last card that we talked about earlier. Johnny, the story for Chandra is uh, now that Chandra's two ment—now that one of Chandra's father figures, a Johnny, murdered her mentor Jaya, she has to use all of her fury to defeat the Phyrexians. <laughs> is the sentence? And it spoils like the two biggest things from the next set. Wow! <laughs> so Johnny turns into a Phyrexian and straight up murders Jaya. That happens in the next. As who
1: tries set. to avenge Jaya?
0: Chandra. Chandra. Okay, got it, got it, got uh, it.
1: I don't have like a great affection for Jaya. I, I enjoy the character. Like, I have some. I have some affection just based on like the history of those sets that I liked. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, Ajani becoming evil for me is way more significant. That's like, yeah, yeah, I care way more. And
0: it's, it's like it's cooler. The storytelling potential there is so much better because it's like a hero character that they're going to have to fight against, and it's like. Tomio was interesting, but Tommy wasn't really friends with any like she was like kind of friends with Jace adjacently. Adjacently. Right. Uh, nice. I'll take that to the bank. Uh and but like Jaya like not Jaya, Ch- like a Johnny is like the mentor of multiple main characters. We're gonna see Elsbeth fight against a Johnny, which is a big deal because that Johnny is Elsbeth's direct mentor.
1: How big of a bad do you think a Johnny can be? Like if you're gonna compare a Johnny to like let's say bolus like if you were gonna say like size of baddie like do you think like nowhere near as bad
0: i I think he's like uh he'll be a minion of the phryxians right like i I don't think i don't think he's gonna be the leader of them and i if i if you're asking who i'd rather fight i think i'd rather fight a johnny than nickel bolus like if i'm fist fighting them (laughs) i mean i feel Uh, like if you like
1: try to fist fight a johnny your arm gets ripped off probably but if you try to like fist fight bolus you just get like evaporated it's kind of how i feel
0: yeah, right. he'll like he'll like point his finger at me, and my skin will just like ash off, and I'll die. A Johnny like, like fighting, yeah, it
1: feels like fighting like like it's uh, like an unfair
0: comparison. Like if I, if you're asking who would I rather fight, Tommy Frixionized or a Johnny Frixionized? Tommy every day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> honestly, I'd rather fight some of the predators probably than a Johnny Frixionized. Okay,
1: so as a story expert, then last last thing before we close out, because so I'm curious to know this. Yeah. if you were going to give me. Top five ranking of biggest baddies so far in Magic story history. Like, who do you think is the? What's the one through five? Can I? I'll throw some out there. You tell me if I'm right about this. So obviously, Bolus is one of the biggest, right?
0: So, so are you asking what my favorite five are, or my, what are the actual five top villains? I'm now? asking the top five, not your favorites. Like, I'm just like, uh, who, uh, who uh, are the biggest villains? The biggest five
1: yeah so 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 bolus is one of them
0: right for sure do i do, I, do you want me to separate and I, I know i'm asking specifics do you want me to separate yagmoth phryxians from elishnorn phryxians or are they the no. same like Friksians just are same. Just, okay. just just biggest baddies that's all i'm asking okay uh so bolus is for sure one of them i think he's probably the second biggest i think i think i think number one is phryxians and i don't i don't think it's close i think i think number two is nickel bolus and it's a little closer i think number three is eldrazi okay what about like i think four is urza <laughs> Which is a hot take. <laughs> what about Tezzeret? Isn't Tezzeret evil? At this point? Tezzeret is evil. Te- Tezzeret, do you know do you do you ever play Final Fantasy six? No. Or three. So uh, the villain. The villain in many Final Fantasies is the henchman character eventually overthrows the main villain of the first half and actually ends up being the main villain all along. It's possible Tezzeret is that. If Tezzeret pulls that off and Tezzeret is a Kefka. Or a Sephiroth or a Kuja that pulls that off—different conversation. it's way higher because he was—he's the apprentice to Nicol Bolas. He's now working for the Phyrexians. He has the potential to be bigger than in the top five, or bigger than than the Urza joke.
1: But right now, you would say—right now, you'd say no, though.
0: I think, I think the top three are really easy, right? Because they're the big three sagas of Magic: Phyrexia number one, Nicol Bolas number two, Aljazi number three. Um, okay. It's it's four and five that gets a little little much much more debatable. Uh, there's an argument it's Nahiri. There's an argument that Nahiri part of the Eldrazi villainy group, so that's okay. that's, that's part mm-hmm. of it. it. There's like an, an argument way. that it's Sauron, Nahiri, and uh, Ugin combined, uh, aka the uh, actually they're the problem trio, which is my favorite trio of heroes in Magic. <laughs> Ugin uh, for
1: sure, Ugin, but they're yeah. all
0: they all think they're good guys, and they all, you know you might think that yeah, Ugin is a hero and Sorin is a hero.
1: Um, Brand's not even on there. Is this not a no, yeah.
0: Uh, the demons with Liliana's contracts, like it ends up, that was Nicol Bolas running the whole thing and they're mm. all like planar specific. So that one's okay. not, I don't, okay. I don't think that fits to me. Heliod could be a big one. Like the, the, or uh, I mean, a favorite for mine is Xenagos. Like I want Xenagos to come back. Cause I think actually Xenagos is one of the more mm. interesting villains in magic history. He's such a cool character. He's like the God, like he was like a hardcore partier that wanted to become a God like that's a dope villain that I'm sad is dead. <laughs> uh in fact I'm going to tweet after we record this episode that I if we ever go back to Theros, one of my big asks is that is that uh we get him back along with the Titans. Um Oh, I think I think long term Oko will be. Like if I if I'm gonna pick a sure. like if I'm predicting the future, I think Bahiri and Oko are both set up to be the two of the next big bads in magic, uh specifically, right? Because like Oko is an interplanar threat and is, was set up to be so. And the fact that Oko was, like, such a big deal in multiple formats right. is going to ass. get him carry forward. I think that Nahiri is also a big villain, right? She caused Emrakul, <laughs> uh, and, and so I think that's another one. Um, it's hard. It's hard. Those, those last two are definitely much more debatable.
1: All right. Interesting. Lin-Duel,
0: Linduel is up there, right? Like Linduel slash the Raven Man is set up to be one of the major villains of magic moving forward because he like can follow Liliana from plane to plane as a ghost.
1: So let us let us know in the comments, guys, if you agree or disagree. I I don't know that much about this. Man. I I obviously know names on cards. I've got plenty of memories and experiences. with A lot of these characters. But if you have a good answer to that card that you think or that that question that you think is different than Alex's, then leave it in the comments below. Yeah.
0: Um. I think that is going to okay, wrap. up comment. What I think what I'll say is in the comments below. Don't comment uh, any of the the spoilers. Um,
1: yes, um, yes, 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 yes. Do not spoil it. the comments.
0: Bro. This, what the five villains are, totally fine. But don't. I wouldn't. None of the things I mentioned. Put in the, like, let. Let commenters not be spoiled. Um, all right, Ben, you're going to sign us off. I
1: think that's going to wrap it up, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. By the time you're hearing this episode, I will have wrapped up my Seattle show. That means there is only three shows on the road left before LA and the record release, which is going to be August. Uh, Sorry, sorry. The record release is in October, but the last three shows that I've got left are going to be San Francisco, Chicago, and New York. So check those out. BenBatemanTour.com. Thanks for listening to my stuff. And of course, check out the Kickstarter. As you can see, Alex is holding up the D20s Thank you for being here for the launch of this. If you're at Gen Con, come say hi, booth 1735. Uh, and what is the actual address of the Kickstarter that folks can go to to check this out, Alex? If they want to give us a shot, uh,
0: there'll be there'll be a link in, in below. There's a there's a Kickstarter link in the description. Uh, if you go to Kickstarter and, and look d20, or if you just look at my Twitter right now, you'll see me posting about it a lot. And I'll, I'll, so I'll post as many links as possible. And that I, I think it's probably drop d20s, but I don't want to say. You know, kickstart.com sure, slash anything just Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, find me on twitter find me there I'll, I'll, we'll, it's all I'm going to be posting about for the next month and uh, love to hear and, and, and please please check it out it is it means a lot to me and I, I really appreciate it thank you so much everybody bye guys this has been a production of time traveler media
1: sending podcasts into the future